and I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Well, Jacko, opening week has come and gone for both OU and OSU. They each won their openers, but man, was it a different feeling at each place. The Sooners roll 73-0 over Arkansas State, but the Cowboys stumbled to a 27-13 victory over Division I-AA Central Arkansas. Not good. No, it was not. I was there for the OSU game. You were there for the OU game, and we've got lots to unpack. We're going to talk quarterbacks, pass rushes, defensive improvement. But first, we got to talk about overreactions. Barry, to me, it feels like the first month of the season is overreaction season. Seems to be that way every year. Um, I mean, last year in the first month of the season, Oklahoma was ranked number sixth in the nation. I mean, so we know that they were not the sixth best team in the country last year. Um, but what about overreactions for these teams after what we saw on Saturday? We heard a lot of them. The Sooners are bound for the playoff. The Cowboys are trash and they won't have a winning record. Um, would you buy either extreme or are those just overreactions, Barry? I always warn against overreaction, except this week, I'm not overreacting to Deion Sanders. <laughs> after what his Colorado Buffaloes did in Fort Worth, I'm on the primetime train. Whatever Sanders says goes, I'm following him uh, into, the, uh, into the college football wilderness. I hope he makes it to the Big 12. No overreaction on Colorado. Uh, I do warn against overreaction with the Sooners and the Cowboys for two reasons. Uh, during the, uh, when the Sooners got up 73-0 uh, Saturday, I had an epiphany. I remember the 1989 season opener, OU Wax, New Mexico State, Gary Gibbs, very first game as a head coach, 73 to nothing. Turns out I was slightly askew on the score. It was 73 to three, but still very dominant, very impressive. That OU team turned out to be just so-so. Goes seven and four. Uh, also, you pointed this out in your column, I think Saturday night, the 21 Cowboys who went on to a great year, finished first in the Big 12, went to the Fiesta Bowl, beat Notre Dame, number seven in the final polls. That team opened the year with a 23-16 victory over Missouri State. So sometimes these things happen. Sometimes dominant openers don't lead to dominant teams. Sometimes struggling openers don't lead to struggling teams. I'm not going to overreact yet to the Sooners and Cowboys. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that those were... I'm definitely not on the extreme of either. Now, I was at that Missouri State close call a couple years ago, and that was way more, uh, you know, tightrope walk for the Cowboys, I felt like, than what I saw Saturday. But uh, definitely two extremes and how people are feeling as they watch these two teams. We're going to break down both, but we're going to start with OSU. And since I was there, I'm going to ask you some questions, Barry. Let's dig a little deeper into that uh, shockingly close call that the Cowboys had because Central Arkansas had a chance to tie the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, tying the game in the fourth quarter. Um, so with all that in mind, Barry, what's, what's OSU's biggest issue, near as you can tell, coming after that game? It looked to me like, forgive me if you've heard this before, the offensive line again. OSU didn't really run the ball effectively until the fourth quarter when they ran it very well. They didn't pass protect all that much. Uh, I thought Garrett Rangel uh, particularly was a victim of that on that first drive uh, is, is a great example. And, you know, we've looked at this Cowboy team for two or three years now where the offensive line just hasn't gotten it going. Now they were, they were without Preston Wilson for undisclosed reasons. 
Jake Springfield left the game and didn't return. So uh, there were reasons, but there's always reasons. And it just is a continuing pattern. To me, the OSU defense, they had some holes. They had some miscues. Uh, they had some busts. But for the most part, you hold a team to 13 points. You can't be too critical, even an, an outman team. But that offensive line has got to get it going. Yeah, I agree. And who knows, maybe Preston Wilson comes back this next week. Jake Springfield, who it sounded like might have been available had they really needed him. He could have played, but they decided to hold him out. Maybe you get those two guys back. The offensive line that's been working together most of the most of the fall camp, back in the spring ball. Maybe it gels. Maybe it looks different at Arizona State next week. I don't know, but they were not dominant. And to me, when you're playing an FCS team, that old 1AA uh, level, when you're playing a team at that level, the area where the discrepancy shows up most is along the line of scrimmage. The The Power 5 defensive line should, should dominate the, the uh, offensive line and vice versa. And we did not see that out of the Oklahoma State offensive line. To me, that's troubling. And it showed not only in pass protection, you mentioned Rangel was having to run around quite a bit, but that run game, which has been such a focus for Mike Gundy and this team throughout the offseason, really struggled until the fourth quarter, 3.1 yards going into the fourth quarter. That's not good enough. So for them to have focused so much on that and for that to be an area of big concern, I was really surprised by that. So to me, if we don't see some big improvement when those starters come back and when you see that starting five hole, I think that's a really big red flag for this team moving forward. Um, you know, you mentioned Rangel Berry, but we saw three Oklahoma State quarterbacks. And frankly, they all played pretty decently, I thought. I mean, um, you know, Rangel, uh, 10 of 15. The worst percentage passing-wise was Alan Bowman, but he was the victim of some really horrible drops. And then you saw Gunnar Gundy in at the end, uh, seven of nine, and, and led them to those uh, game-sealing touchdown drives. So um, what did you see out of the quarterbacks? Did you, did you feel like you learned anything and know better how this is all going to play out? Well, I learned that sometimes when Mike Gundy says something, it's okay to believe him. Uh, who knew? He said he was going to play multiple quarterbacks. I thought he had a starter picked out and was just going to, you know, have some other guys in mop-up duty. I mean, I'm like everybody else. I thought it was uh, going to be Bowman starting and then Rangel and maybe Gunner Gun Gunner gets into the game at the end of a blowout. But instead, he had a yeah, he had a master plan, a third of the game for each guy, and he didn't start Bowman. Now, I thought Rangel looked pretty good. I was not not thrilled with Bowman. Um, you're right. His his uh, the drops hurt him. Um, didn't seem like the Cowboys played particularly well around him. The pass protection wasn't great, and for him, who's not, uh, a guy that's not very mobile, that's disastrous. And then Gunner Gundy comes in, not a great first series, but then back to back long touchdown drives to to secure the game. Really opened up. He turned this into a, a three man race. We weren't we weren't even sure it was a two man race. Uh, and, you know, going home after the game, you had to think there's three quarterbacks that could play. So I don't know. I think uh, I think uh, Mike Gundy, it's possible he and Casey Dunn and Tim Rattay and everybody went into that game not, really not knowing who their quarterback is. And I come out of that game not knowing who their quarterback is. But I do say this, Gunnar Gundy, is he's in the, uh, he's in the uh, conversation because 
that was a tense situation. That was not that was not uh, just lay back and relax and you're going to win this game. He had to produce or the Cowboys were in danger, and he produced. Thought he ran pretty well. Uh, Brennan Presley helped him out with a catch or two that were, was really superior. But uh, I was impressed with the way Gunner Gunny Gun, – Gunner, Gunner Gundy – Gunner Gundy is going to be a tongue twister. I've never really thought about it because uh, I can write it pretty quick, pretty well. I don't remember ever podcasting about the guy, but um, but Gunner Gundy looks like he's got the moxie. I don't I have no idea where he got it from, uh, but anyway, <laughs> total uh, shocker. Yeah, it, it to me it's it's interesting because that's a you know I think we got a three man derby going to Arizona State, and for all I know. Mike Gundy will do it again. He'll he'll split that game into thirds. I wonder. What do you think? You think he might just change the order up? I don't. Do you think the order in which guys played had an effect? Uh, I don't know if OSU wore down Central Arkansas and finally got the running game going in that fourth quarter, which clearly benefited Gunner. But uh, I, I wonder if he'll mix up the order in Arizona State. I wouldn't be surprised about that. I, I think that's a definite possibility. Now I don't know. I don't know if you put Gunnar Gundy out there first. I thought he, considering the the stakes at which he played, I thought he played the best on Saturday uh, because those other two guys, yeah, you wanted you want them to go out there and perform, but they were in a must-score situation there late. In fact, when, uh, when Gunnar Gundy went in, we were talking in the press box, is it time to bring Rangel back in? Because Bowman had just kind of been okay. You know, is it time to bring uh, Rangel back in? And I was watching things on the sideline and I leaned over to uh, our counterparts, Sam and Ben Hutchins. And I said, it looks to me like Gunnar Gundy is dangerously close to the offensive huddle. Is he going to go into the football game? And lo and behold, he puts on his helmet and the whole press box, I think was just in total shock. I don't know what the reaction was in the crowd. We can't really hear, but I think people were pretty darn surprised to see this third, third, third thing continue as the Cowboys were in real danger of losing that ball game. So, you know, for him to go out there after a not so good first possession to rally, to play well, I think if you're if you're ranking them, I think you got to put Gunnar Gundy first, probably Rangel second, Bowman third. But on the road, do you start Bowman? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to this, um, but I don't think they got much more clarity coming out of uh, that game on Saturday about who their starting quarterback is. Um, which leads to this question, Barry. Big picture. Uh, we'll kind of go rapid fire on this one. Is OSU any better offensively? We- we've said they had to be better. You talked about, uh, wrote about Casey Dunn and the chip on his shoulder. He said they had to be better. Are they better? Do we sense them being better so far? Well, I don't I don't see how anybody could could say they're better so far. Now, will they be better? I don't know. But sometimes people seem to minimize what they lost when they lost a four-year starting quarterback who was all Big 12 in 21. And whoever ends up winning that job is not going to be as good a quarterback as Spencer Sanders. They lost some big-time receivers. Now, they added uh, you know, some stri- stri- uh, some good receivers. Stribbling in particular, you mentioned looked it. Great. Stribbling in particular looked really good. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's going to be surpri- a surprise if they're a better offense this year than a year ago. The only way that can happen is through the offensive line. You would think the offensive line would improve, but we didn't see it. 
Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, for sure. I think I think this next this next week is going to be really telling what that offensive line can be if they get those two guys back who missed the majority uh, of the game on Saturday. Okay, real quick, we don't want to overlook defense because first game under Brian Nardo, first game with the three three five defense. So defensively, Barry, what stood out to you about the Cowboy defense? I thought they gave up too many uh, big plays, and I don't really mean 40, 50 yards, but, I mean, I thought they gave up too many 15-, 18-yard gains, allowed uh, Central Arkansas to sustain some drives. Um, penalties really helped OSU. A couple of drives, UCA uh, could have had more points and sort of self-inflicted wounds. So I wasn't totally thrilled with the OSU defense, but it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I think it'll get better. I saw some young players. McKinney, for instance, was a playmaker in the secondary. I didn't see that coming. So I liked what I saw. I think it it wasn't a great performance, but I do think the OSU defense will get better. Yeah, and I think they played it pretty base, pretty vanilla for this game. Um, not that that excuses wide receivers getting open, uh, you know, just being able to catch balls without any resistance. I mean, I think there is obviously concern there. They're going to have to fix some things that way. But they got a lot of pressure, five sacks, nine tackles for loss, and really didn't blitz very much. So for them to be able to get some pressure, cause some uh, mischief in the back backfield, I thought that was a good sign. And then we'll see uh, this coming Saturday. I think you'll see more of the playbook open up for the defense at Arizona State. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting to see how how does the defense improve going into week two and how does it evolve and expand going into week two. I think we could see um, a, quite a bit of, of difference as it relates to um, OSU. By the way, Barry, every time you say UCA, I think you're going to say UCF. And I almost typed Central Florida into my game column a couple times on Saturday. So you're weirding me out here. Jacko. It's a dang good thing the Cowboys weren't playing UCF Saturday night because they would have gone down, I promise you. Very true. How about OU, Barry? Let's talk about yeah. OU. Yeah, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about the Cowboys. Are they going to be better? Um, let's ask the same thing about the Sooners. Is, is, o, is OU appreciably better from what we saw, or was Arkansas State just a, a, just a total mismatch? Well, Arkansas State was a lot worse than I thought. And I think you mentioned this, speaking of things we've talked about in our columns, Barry, that, you know, Arkansas State gets scheduled and they're looking pretty good when when Josie schedules Arkansas State. Now, this is not a power five team, didn't expect it to be a power five team, but a team that has stood up tall against power five opponents in non-conference games before. But this Arkansas State team was not that Arkansas State team, very overmatched. Definitely, uh, you know, not a good barometer for Oklahoma. But I do think what we saw out of, um, you know, the, the running backs was nice. We got to see, I mean, Tywee uh, Ty Walker, to me, was a guy I didn't really even think was going to get much playing time at all. And he looks pretty good at running back. And then you've got some wide receivers that, again, how much of a role are they going to play? How big a role? Uh, Andrew Anthony, I think, looks fantastic. Um, and then you saw Dylan Gabriel looking consistent, looking confident. I loved the way he, he threw it downfield, something that he didn't do as much of. So, you know, is OU, is it, are they better? I, I think the question will become, is their defense ultimately better? But I thought offensively, I liked what I saw, Barry. I thought maybe this is an offense that's going to take a step up this year. Yeah, I, I like the OU offense uh, also. I thought Gabriel was really good. He threw seven deep balls. 
completed four and drew two other pass interference penalties. I mean, that's unbelievable efficiency. So lots to like about Gabriel. Jackson Arnold uh, looked good in relief. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know that OU ran it as well as they would have liked, uh, but I think I think uh, Arkansas State knew that it better sell out to the run. So nothing about the offense uh, was alarming. Of course, OU scored on its first eleven possessions and failed to score only on its final possession. So, you know, there's not much to uh, to uh, criticize. The defense will be the key. Uh, this was not much of an Arkansas State offense. J.T. Shrout is the Arkansas State quarterback. He started at Tennessee. He went to Colorado, uh, was the buff quarterback most of last season. Didn't do much. Didn't look good. When he did When he did throw on target, his receivers dropped the ball. Arkansas State, it's one of the worst teams I've seen come to Owen Field in a long time. Frankly, they remind me a lot of that New Mexico State team of 30 through two years ago that Gary Gibbs faced. So not much of a test. OU has a very easy schedule in September, but this was the easiest. So, uh, you know, I think we're going to see, uh, I think we're going to see a lot tougher tests for the Sooners. Uh, but the, the defense is the big key, uh, is, is the big key. What, what gives you hope? What did you see out of the OU defense on Saturday that makes you think a turnaround is starting to occur? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things I liked most uh, from what I saw was more aggression. Now, I'm not saying that we saw it in terms of play calling, a bunch of blitzes or stunts or anything like that. Again, you know, a lesser opponent, you leave a lot of that in the playbook. Um, you know, go vanilla, uh, get out of there with just using the basic stuff. So I'm not saying that was where the aggression was, but you saw guys – um, you know, really coming up to make plays. Uh, you know, Danny Stutzman comes across the defensive line, kind of shoots the gap and uh, tackles a running back early in that game. Uh, you know, really affecting plays, not waiting for plays to come to them. Uh, saw Desan McCullough in coverage playing that hybrid linebacker position, the cheetah position, uh, get a pass breakup uh, later on in the first quarter. I thought those were some things that to me showed aggressiveness uh, on the player's part but not in a way that um, sacrificed being solid. You know, you don't want to be aggressive and wild and miss plays and miss tackles. And I didn't see a ton of that. I didn't see miss tackling. Um, I saw solid play, but some of that aggression that definitely needs to come forward uh, for Brent Venable's defense to really start to take hold. So to me, that was a, again, I know we're grading on a curve because of Arkansas State, but I do think that there were some signs in the way that Oklahoma played that that was positive for maybe T. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas, you know, when you play an overmatched team, you want some big numbers. You want sacks, you want turnovers, those kinds of things. Arkansas State's game plan was to avoid those things. And so you saw very few deep drops. You you saw Shroud hold the ball very, you know, beyond two or three seconds, very rarely. Uh, lots of quick screens, uh, swing passes, those kinds of things. Uh, OU didn't blitz much, no reason to show any blitz packages. So this was not a game designed to, to post big plays on defense. Uh, they did keep Arkansas State from doing very much at all, uh, very minimal type uh, gains. Uh, it's just I wanted to see McCullough uh, on the edge, what he could do from that cheetah. I wanted to see Harrington, what he did at the, at the cheetah. I wanted to see if, if the new line, Bothroyd and Terry and those guys could uh, trace forward 
we're going to get to the quarterback. But Arkansas State just made it a case of we're not going to let you do that no matter what we do. So um, this was not a game that Arkansas State was really trying to win. It was just trying to get out of, out of uh, town alive. Um, I don't know that it accomplished that. It seemed like every third play, uh, a, a Red Wolf was on the ground hurt. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that was trying to slow down the, the tempo uh, or if they, if they really were just physically getting uh, mauled. I wondered if uh, we're going to have to call the 407 seventh, get some, uh, get some medical uh, ambulances out to uh, get, the, get the Arkansas Staters home. Uh, so it was a mismatch of every regard. So can't learn a lot. Uh, I thought the OU defense um, was mostly in pretty good position. There wasn't a ton of bust. Brent Venables found one bust and one what he called fundamental problem. Uh, but out of, you know, Arkansas State, I don't know how many plays they had, 65 or 70 plays. <laughs> Two busts is not a bad ratio. So, uh, you know, it's an incomplete grade just because of the competition concerning uh, the OU defense. But uh, I'm, I'm generally optimistic that, that it's going to get better. I, I, I think the talent level that we saw with Reggie Pearson, Dason McCullough, Trace Ford, Rondell Bothroyd, I think those guys are, are a big talent upgrade over what Oklahoma had last year. Can you tell could, – could you – you know, I saw it live. You were watching – on, on ESPN, what do you think? Could could you tell an out, a talent upgrade just on size, strength, uh, technique, speed, those kinds of things? Yeah, I, I don't know if I could tell a ton on the talent upgrade on the defensive side. I will say the fact that, you know, you mentioned some of those guys and, you know, a guy like Desan McCullough, he's, he's a reserve. He doesn't start. Justin Harrington gets to start at that hybrid linebacker position. Um, you know, and, and the fact that, you didn't see, you didn't see a big change, um, at least not noticeable when you saw some of those reserves come in. Now later in the game, deeper reserves, maybe so. But you know, there was all this talk in the preseason, Barry, about competitive depth, and I don't know if we can judge where they are in the competitive depth um, realm after one game against a really overmatched opponent. But I think there are maybe at least some early signs that there is a bit of an uptick. Um, you know, guys that um, are, are there, you know, not necessarily have to be the starter to go out and make plays and, and play well, um, decent. You know, a year ago, if, uh, you know, if, if, if linebackers were changing out, you knew it. You could see it. You could sense it. But, um, you know, they don't have the depth of previous defenses. I mean, they're not. They're not where they were um, when you, whether you were at the start of the Bob Stoops era, um, you know, they seem to roll out new guys all the time and they would go make great plays and do fantastic things. I don't think it's to that level, but, you know, I think it's at least positive that, that you didn't maybe notice a ton of, you know, whoa, what just happened right there when different guys were coming in. So maybe I think they're and speed. I think, Again, how do you judge that against Arkansas State? But I thought I thought there maybe were some signs that 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 there was a little bit better depth across the board on that defense. Now, the one thing we know for certain is there's an upgraded quarterback, not just with Dylan Gabriel playing better, and he certainly did look uh, look really sharp. But Jackson Arnold as a backup quarterback is a potential goldmine. 
not just as insurance in case another Texas happens, uh, but Jackson Arnold goes 11 of 11, runs the ball effectively. That looks like a big upgrade for the Sooners. Yeah, and I thought what you wrote after the game was really uh, was really interesting. The whole idea of could this be another belldozer, um, you know, a, a sort of a specialty package situation where you bring in Jackson Arnold and he is able to run maybe a little bit more um, strong at the goal line, that sort of thing. And you know, nothing against Blake Bell. I'm not. I don't want to diss Blake Bell, but I would I would think that Jackson Arnold's arm is better than Blake Bell. So the the what you're going to get out of that specialty package is probably a little bit more in question. You know, it's not necessarily that if Jackson Arnold's in, he's absolutely positively going to run it. I could see them putting him in and him passing out of some situations um, that Blake Bell maybe wouldn't have back in the belldozer days. So um, I think there is a, a potential role for Jackson Arnold, even with Dylan Gabriel firmly entrenched as the starter. And, you know, I think having a guy that's able to handle uh, having a specialty package quarterback, you know, you got to have somebody that can do that. And Dylan Gabriel seems like a guy who would be okay with it. Now, I think any starting quarterback would probably, if you, you know, put true serum in them, would say that they'd rather not. They'd probably rather be uh, the guy taking all the snaps. And if it's on the goal line or at the 50 or at, you know, the other team's 20. But I think Dylan Gabriel has a, has a personality to me, Barry, that says he would be okay with Jackson Arnold in that role if it meant that the Sooners were winning ball games more than they did a year ago. So I think it is possible. I think I think it's definitely a possibility that we see more of Jackson Arnold than maybe we have other uh, backup quarterbacks in the past. Here's why I think it's in the plans, and Jeff Levy wouldn't cop to this, but uh, Jackson Arnold comes out and runs two series, both successful, both touchdowns. Uh, he comes out in the third series. Sooners run five plays, all with the same formation. Single wide receivers to each side. Only time all game they ran that formation. Clearly a power formation. Two tight ends in the game. And Jackson Arnold carries on the first two of those. Runs power handoffs the next two. Keeps on the fifth and scores the touchdown. That clearly was a special package for Jackson Arnold with uh, with the single wide receivers. I think uh, I don't know that they wanted to unveil it for Arkansas State, but after the game, uh, Jackson Ar Arnold said he went to Levy and said, "Hey, I, I want to run the ball. Uh, I want. I, I don't mind getting hit." Levy said, "Let's get you hit." They come out, they run what's clearly that power package. I think we're going to see it uh, down the road when the Sooners face short yardage. You know, people remember the belldozer around the goal line, but the belldozer also was very effective. In the middle of the field, short yardage situations, third and one, third and two, it's automatic. Here comes Blake Bell. Last uh, last thing on OU, uh, Jacko, I want you to explain. Please explain to me how all of the major universities in America that so love college football, other than the wise people at Texas Tech, could look at Gavin Freeman and say, we don't want to waste a scholarship on this guy. Explain that to me. I'm not sure. Is it is it uh, is it another Heritage Hall wide receiver overlooked because he's a little too short? Didn't anybody learn their lesson before? No, they didn't. No. <laughs> well, I, I tell, yeah, I don't get it either. And and here's the thing, Barry. I I don't know what's going to happen with Drake Stoops. He seemed to have some sort of shoulder injury, 
AC join is what it was termed as after the game. You don't want to lose Drake Stoops for very long. I, I would, I would, I'm not saying Gavin Freeman could step in and be Drake Stoops. I think that's, that's a step too far, but I think he's a nice substitute. If Drake Stoops does have to miss some time, he's speedy, he's shifty. He seems to be pretty darn tough. Yeah. I like Gavin Freeman a whole lot, Barry. You brought up Jake Drake Stoops. We could ask the same question about Drake Stoops from five years ago. Now, the answer is, don't waste your time on Drake Stoops. He's sort of got an in at OU. He's, he, 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 might, he might be inclined to wear the crimson and cream. But uh, Gavin Freeman, for crying out loud, that's not a question of this guy coming in and working hard and building himself up and scratching out a place on the roster. He walked on campus, and he was one of the best receivers I don't understand it. Why can't people give a scholarship to a guy that clearly is good? Who knows what's going on? Uh, Wes, Welker, Wes Welker 2.0, Barry. 2.0. Wes Welker is nothing but a borderline pro football Hall of Famer. That's all he was. <laughs> all right, Jacko. Well, we are, uh, we'll be back in the middle of the week to preview next week's or to preview this week's game. Sooners host SMU at 5 p.m. in Norman. OSU goes to Arizona State, 9.30 kickoff in the desert. Should be uh, uh, some late-night viewing for Oklahomans. Uh, we'll have a lot more about those games. And you can find that show and all the other shows from the Sellout Crowd Network on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And, of course, you can find us at selloutcrowd.com. All of my stuff is at barrytrammell.com. All of Jacko's stuff is at jennycarlson.com. Thanks for joining us. We will see you next week.